Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts 28, verse 5. Well, we do have a couple options in life. We can get shook up, and certainly I think there's room for that. But Paul shook the creature off into the fire, and that's where the enemy is going to end up, by the way. One day, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. Praise God. Jesus, who knew no sin, took the serpent's bite. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, and he defeated our enemy. And so the natives, I think, were taking some bets. Verse 6, they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. <laughs> I don't know if they were, oh, what do you think? You think his head will swell first? Oh, I, think, I think it's his leg. No, it's his hand. That's where he got bit. His hand's going to swell. And they're all watching him. And they watched and they watched and they were expecting that he would swell up and fall down dead. I don't read anywhere that anybody called 911. Uh, let's just watch him. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to swell up and die. I just know it. It's like, come on. What happened to the extraordinary kindness? Anyway. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say, he's a god. Don't you love the fickleness of people? He's a murderer. He's going to die. The goddess of justice has is, is got him now. No, never mind. He's a god. You know, if you live your life on the fickle opinions of people, you're going to do this in life. Up and down and down and up you'll go and somebody will look at you and they won't say hi to you. Go, hey, that person didn't say hi to me. Do I have broccoli in my teeth? What, what's the matter? And you say, do you know that that person hasn't said hello to anybody since 1976? <laughs> yeah, but I know there's just something wrong with me. Man, we can do this. We all want to be liked, but they changed their minds really quick. Fickleness of people. In Lystra, the same thing happened. They wanted to sacrifice to them. They called them gods. Then they stoned Paul in Lystra. Wow. Now in the neighborhood, verse 7, or back at the ranch, as it were, of that place were lands belonging to a leading man of the island named Publius. He was kind of like the governor of Malta, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously or hospitably three days. So Luke appears to be there. Paul's there, maybe Aristarchus. I don't think all 276 people are there, but they've gotten an invitation. And all of a sudden, for three days, the governor of the island has made them feel welcome. And it's great, having dinner or whatever. And it came about that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with a recurrent fever and dysentery. This may ruin some of your lunch, but... Dysentery is a disease characterized by severe diarrhea with passages of mucus and blood, usually caused by infection. One commentator says the recurrent fever was likely the gastric fever caused by a microbe found in goat's milk, which was common on Malta. Dysentery, often resulting from poor sanitation, was also common in the ancient world, and so there's Publius's dad lying in uh, probably in another room in bed, and Paul's there being entertained. You might ask, what's wrong with your dad? Well, he's been in bed for days, and this is going on. And so Paul went in, and he went in to see him, and after he had prayed, Paul laid hands on him and healed him. And this disease, according to Dr. Longenecker, has been called Malta fever. And all of a sudden, dad was better. And after this happened, the rest of the people on the island, would you notice, who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured And 
on into the night, apparently, one by one, the people of Malta were coming. And I'm sure every time Paul prayed for somebody, he said, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about the power behind the healing manifestation that you're seeing now. And person after person on Malta came and church history tells us that a church was founded on Malta and the first pastor's name was Publius. And you get blown off course and and snakes are biting and you're like, Lord, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be in Rome standing before the emperor, and here we are shipwrecked on this island. We barely made it, the natives, the bite. What are you doing? And all of a sudden, there's a revival on an island called an island of refuge. And God allows you to be a blessing to somebody. See, it's hard to see all the reasons until we look at the big picture. And they also honored us with many marks of respect. This was unusual for Paul. He usually got kicked out of towns. <laughs> But they honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. They had even thrown the grain overboard, remember, when the ship was about to crash. And now all their needs were supplied. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And at the end of three months, this was the time when you couldn't sail. And we shared about that. And now they're going to set sail again near the spring. We set sail on an Alexandrian ship, another grain ship which had wintered at the island, which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. This was Castor and Pollux. They were supposed to be the twin sons of Zeus. They'd be on the front of a ship, almost like a Viking ship, and they were supposed to protect you from uh, dangers on the sea. And so this is the kind of ship they were in. And after we put in at Syracuse, about 100 miles away, on the southeast shore of Sicily, the chief city of Sicily, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. That's on the toe of Italy. And uh, a day later, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Purioli. Purioli is modern Puzzioli, and easy for an Italian guy to say, right? And uh, it was about 140 miles to Rome from there. Purioli was the main uh, port in the Bay of Naples, and uh, modern-day Naples uh, near Neapolis called that at the time. About 100,000 people lived there. And there, says Luke, we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days and thus finally, and you might want to mark this in your Bible, we came to Rome. Paul always wanted to preach in Rome. He said it in Romans 1. He shared it in Romans 15. I wanted to preach where Christ was not named, but there was a group of Christians in Rome because in AD 57, just a few years before he arrived here, Paul wrote the letter called Romans. And there were Christians already there. And they probably had read Paul's letter and they appreciated, I'm sure, the high, incredible doctrine. And by the way, that's where we're going next, the book of Romans. We're just going to keep going through the New Testament. And so uh, the, the brethren came out. It's always so neat when you meet Christians in new places and they came out to greet Paul. And the brethren, I think more of them, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius, traveled several miles and three inns, major stopping points to meet us. And when Paul saw them, notice his heart, he thanked God and he took courage. Man, sometimes when you're in other places and other Christians surround you and encourage you, it's so neat. And Paul was human and he needed the encouragement. And all of a sudden, Paul said, thank you, Lord, for other believers. And when we had entered Rome, finally they made the 140-mile trip now from the coast to Rome 
Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding him. Paul was in some rented quarters, but he, had a, he was literally chained to a soldier under some form of house arrest, and the soldier would change probably every six hours. And what do you think Paul talked about with the soldiers who were chained to him? You guessed it. Faith in Jesus Christ to the degree that Philippians 4.22 says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul was impacting guard after guard. He even used the, the regalia of the guards to talk to us about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. And he wrote at least four epistles that we know of during this two-year imprisonment and redeemed his time for the kingdom of God. Some of you, you know, maybe you're not as mobile as you used to be, and you're in a different position in life. Maybe you used to travel everywhere, and now you can't travel as much. Maybe you're, you know, someone who can't leave the house too much. Well, Paul made use of the time. And so it says, and, as it, ha- and it happened, this is 17, that after three days, and Paul just, he didn't take long to kind of gather himself from everything that had happened. He called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. He wanted to reach the Jew first and then the Gentiles. You can reference Romans 1, 16. And when they had come together, so he called for them, he began saying to them, brethren, these are his fellow Jews now, though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, 19, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you in searching my Bible... I have found this phrase nowhere else, the hope of Israel, except one place. I want to take you to it. It's Jeremiah 17. Find the Psalms, go to your right. You got Isaiah and Jeremiah shortly thereafter. Go to Jeremiah 17. With this phrase is the hope of Israel, and Israel certainly needs hope. Um, And it's beyond Israel. Jesus is the hope of the world. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is going to sound very familiar to some of you because it's a lot like Psalm chapter 1. Jeremiah 17 and 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Jeremiah 17, 7. By contrast, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. He will be like, and here's a picture or a metaphor or a simile, he'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. I test the mind. Even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. 11. As a partridge that hatches eggs, which it has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune but unjustly. In the midst of his days it will forsake him, and in the end he will be a fool. A glorious throne on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, what does Jeremiah call him? The hope of Israel. All who forsake thee will be put to shame. 
those who turn away on earth will be written down, notice, because they have forsaken the fountain of living water, even the Lord. And then Jeremiah cries, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for thou art my praise. Turn back to Acts 28. Paul had a great desire to see people saved. He even said that he would be willing to give up his own salvation for the sake of his kinsmen. That's Romans 9, verses 1 through 4. Though his salvation was not his to give up. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they would be saved. That's Romans 10, verse 1. And so he's called them, and he wants to appeal to them. He says, look, I'm wearing this chain for our hope, the hope of our nation, the hope of our people, the hope not only of Israel, but of America. We need it so desperately. Do you see Paul's saying, I'm willing to wear it so that others can see the need for Christ and the hope of Christ. And they said to him, 21 Acts 28, we have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. And Paul must have been in shock. Really? They speak bad about me everywhere. Uh, We haven't heard. I don't know if they're telling the truth, but that's what they share. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For concerning this sect... It is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. Christianity called the way at this time. Everybody speaks against it. Nothing new under the sun. And when they had set a day for him, 23, they came to him at his lodging or where he was staying in large numbers. And he, that's Paul, was explaining. This word means to place before, to expose or explain to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God. And trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, Paul was in the business of divine persuasion from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. This is a Bible study, folks. From morning until evening. And in order to properly honor this verse, we will be passing out peanuts and going into the... No, I'm just kidding. You're like, what? Paul had all these people come to his house. Maybe God's calling you to have a home Bible study. And from morning till evening, they went to Psalm 22, I'm sure. Isaiah 53, Micah 5, Psalm 16, Genesis 3, all over the Bible. He says, look, this is about Jesus. And maybe somebody in the room said, let me see that again. Let me say that. And I'm sure there was some arguing intention. Let me just cross-reference that. Yeah, look at this over here. And back and forth and up they, and down they went. And it was a Bible study of all Bible studies. Glorious. And they did their homework. And Paul began to say, Jesus is in the law. He's in the prophets. And he went from morning till evening, no rest. One writer says, Paul's room became a fulcrum from which he moved the world, close quote. Paul was into time redemption. And he shared and shared some more. And some were being persuaded, 24, by the things spoken. But others, would you notice, would not believe. Don't confuse me with the facts. Ever have somebody like this in your life? I will, you will not convince me. But I just showed you 17 places where only Jesus could be the Messiah from the Old Testament. I know you did. But that doesn't mean you're going to move me. Wow. Okay then. But some believe, and this is what you're going to get with gospel preaching. Some people will believe, some will not. And when they did not agree with one another, apparently the ones that believe were arguing with the ones who would not, they began leaving after Paul spoke one parting word. 
The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophets to your fathers. I think he's saying, in essence, you're just like your fathers. This is from Isaiah 6. Saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull or thick or callous. And with their ears, they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return. And what would God do? And I would heal them. And in an appeal to Isaiah 6, where Paul says, the Holy Spirit rightly said through Isaiah, there's Bible inspiration. You find this in Isaiah 6. But the Holy Spirit said it through Isaiah. Isaiah wrote it down, but all scripture is breathed by God. And when Isaiah saw the vision of God on his throne, high and lifted up, I think he was seeing God the Father. Because you'll see that in Revelation 4 and 5, if you study this later. Yet in John 12, 41, John says that Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus. There's your trinity. Who shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. And you will go to this people and you'll say to them, you're going to keep on hearing, but you're not going to hear. You're going to keep on seeing, but you won't see. You see, their heart had become calloused. And over and over again, Isaiah would preach to them. And over and over again, people would go, no, 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 la, 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 la. What a ministry. And I start to wonder about America. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they said, you know, you go to a foreign land, and people are pretty hospitable and want to hear the gospel, at least in large part. And you talk to Americans about Jesus, and they're like, pop to the hand. I don't want to hear that. I don't want, no. Like, wow. How about you give me a few minutes of your time to let me show you Jesus, you know, the hope of all mankind. And with a parting shot, Paul applies Isaiah to these guys. I'm not sure I would recommend this for your evangelism, but if people come to your door and they won't listen to you, you could say, you know, (laughs) you're just like what Isaiah said. You're going to keep on hearing, but you won't hear. You're going to keep on seeing. Yeah, go ahead, walk away. (laughs) I'm not sure I would recommend this, but it could be part of your portfolio. Walter Martin told a story he wrote the book, The Kingdom of the Colts, and has gone home to be with the Lord. And an old Nazarene preacher said, Walt, I love to hear you preach because you crack all the nuts that everybody else runs away from. He said, keep on doing it. Keep on preaching the gospel of grace and the hope of Jesus Christ. Keep on preaching it faithfully. But if they won't believe, said the old Nazarene preacher, make sure you leave them with Moses. What he meant was, if they won't receive grace then give them law. Because folks, Jesus Christ is not just a refuge from a rainstorm or a temporal abode for life's ups and downs. He is the refuge from the judgment of God. Genesis flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, the Passover and the coming day of the Lord. If you are in Him, you will be sheltered from the storm of God's judgment. And if you're not, you'll be exposed to the flood of God's judgment. And that's why Paul, I think, said it the way he did. He said, look, you guys are being stubborn and you're not going to be healed unless you open up your heart to Christ. I know it's not popular, but it's what the Bible teaches. And he said, let it be known to you, 28, therefore, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen 
This is the next verse is bracketed because it's not in the earliest and best manuscripts. And when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And he, that's Paul, verse 30, stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness that speaks of confidence and boldness unhindered. And during these two years as he was chained to different Roman guards, he wrote Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Any of you benefited from those books? And in those books are some of the highest Christology, theology about Christ that you will ever come across in your New Testament. And Paul wrote those during a two-year house arrest imprisonment, and God gave him letters that have been treasured by all of us and will be by the church until Christ comes. You understand, folks? A man who moved everywhere and did everything, now saddled, chained to a Roman guard, but he had people come to him. And then he started writing letters, and letters that have encouraged us all, because God is an exploiter of difficult and trying circumstances. And Paul preached the kingdom of God and the hope of Israel and the hope of the world. And I close with the words of one commentator who says, now the next generation must step up and continue the work. The acts of the apostles have long ago finished, but the acts of the followers of Jesus will continue until the end of the world and their words will spread to the ends of the earth. You see, the acts of the apostles is actually the acts of the Holy Spirit and the book, you know, sometimes the book ends and you go, oh, what happened with his appeal to Rome? What happened to his appeal to Caesar? Did he stand before the emperor? Did he die right thereafter? And what we know from the majority of scholars is Paul lived another seven or eight years, perhaps. He was probably freed. His case apparently was dropped and he did a little bit more ministry and then in about AD 68, he was beheaded under Caesar Nero. He had a little bit more life to live until he went home, but he finished well. And I wonder if they were going to write uh, a paragraph or two about Corona, California, or Southern California, and they were going to talk about the acts of all the people who came here this morning. I wonder how the story might end. You see, it's an open-ended ending because we continue the work by the power of God's Spirit and for the glory of His name. Father, Thank you so much for the wonderful word of God. Thank you for the book of Acts. What an exciting adventure as we have watched Paul and Peter and others minister by the power of your Holy Spirit, go through their own storms and ups and downs, and continue to be faithful. May we be found a faithful people as well. As we've talked today about you being our refuge in the storm of life, Lord, we know that There are many ups and downs, especially in gospel ministry, but just in life. And just help us to stay faithful. Help us to stand upon the promises, to be anchored to our true hope, who is Jesus Christ. To know your loving kindness will never forsake us or leave us. Your presence is with us. Pray you'd bless that person who's struggling this morning. Give them renewed renewed hope and faith. Fill us all afresh with your Holy Spirit, with your heart, and head bowed, do you know Christ, Savior from the storm? If you're not sure that you're in him, it's something like this. And I would encourage you to pray it right now. Jesus, save me. Say it out loud to him.
Thank you that you died on the cross for me. And thank you that you rose from the dead. I repent of my sin and receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my hope, my refuge. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Those who may be rededicating their lives and for all the precious believers that are here today who already know you and go through the ups and downs of the voyage of life, may you steady us and use us for your glory. We love you and we ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. As I sit before this microphone here in a studio at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, we sit Oh, just about a month away from an election. By the time this airs, we'll be much less than that. We're right around the corner. And elections, you know, we can't put our, all our hope in an election. But I think this particular election, this presidential election, says a lot about our country. You know, it shows the division of our country. And it also shows, you know, politicians that we sometimes look at and, just to be candid, we're often disappointed with. But the question for America, and for that matter, any nation, but since we're in America, let's talk about America, is whether we'll return to God with all of our hearts, whether we'll start opening our ears and seeing with our eyes and returning with our hearts that he might heal us. You know, we know the promise from Second Chronicles, and even though originally written to Israel, certainly I think it has application for America. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land Lord God may your ears be open to the prayers that are being offered by your people right now as we come to the book of, end of the book of Acts it's been a wonderful study together and our prayer Lord is that the Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way in this coming season in the church and the church would stand tall and rise up and preach the hope of the gospel. We can see by this last chapter in the book of Acts, Lord, that the gospel always has opposition, but we need to be men and women of honor who speak the hope of the gospel. And we end on a note of hope that God can heal us if we'll just simply preach the gospel. And that's what Paul did. He kept preaching the kingdom of God teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with openness unhindered. And may we do the same as we come to the final verse of the book of Acts. This is Living Truth Radio. My name is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are so grateful to our listening family. Thank you for tuning in to Living Truth Radio. Thank you for telling a friend about the broadcast, and thank you for praying for us. 